Welcome to the Obsession Digression, a podcast that explores all of the cultural things we're obsessed with. I'm Sam Benarchik, and I'm Katie Walker. Uh, Katie, we've already weathered numerous technical difficulties. Rough start, yo! But I think it's mm-hmm. appropriate. It's it's the rough and tumble start to a rough and tumble movie. Tagline: <gasps> Great. Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Wait, God. I don't know why Roadhouse, the title of said movie, would then be tagline. The, but the tagline? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the level of badassery of this movie is that it's like, Roadhouse, tagline, Roadhouse. Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, wow. I have so many thoughts about this. I, I mean, this really felt like a life-changing movie. <laughs> it's just like, I didn't know movies could be like this. It has, I feel formed a, a really large part of who I am today. I'll just, I'll go ahead and say it. I think, like, if you wanted to list, like, influences, it would be Shakespeare, Ryan, Roadhouse. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> In that exact order. Uh, maybe swap Ryan and Roadhouse. Who knows? But, yeah. Um, so good. So masculine. So nonsensical it's great it has everything you could ever want in an hour and 30 minutes or whatever yeah well, uh, 112 minutes okay so i was counting down the clock at one point because i had to go <laughs> is that really why you were counting mm-hmm. down the clock <laughs> well i mean tbh like 20 minutes in i was counting down the clock because i was like what am mm-hmm. i doing <laughs> i'm glad <laughs> but it got it accelerated as it moved along so yeah yeah, that's right. Uh, but, but before we anyway, get there, yeah, we should compare the equally. Oh. Well, we should just talk about like how our lives don't stack up to Roadhouse, basically. Like how <laughs> oh, yeah. I like watched Roadhouse and then went to the planetarium. You know, like what? Like that? Like pairing just doesn't doesn't. I mean, stack you up. know, like I feel like I'm my best self when I have a direct antagonist in my life, and mm-hmm. I don't have that right now. Yeah, you need that. I wish I had someone I could just, like, obsess over taking down. Yeah. I mean, I, I did have this uh, former office mate who was, like, this really nice guy, but he's no longer in my office, and so I only oh, see happens? him. Well, I just swapped offices, like, Oh, oh that's right, Dad. Um, so, like, I no longer have a true enemy that I control with Danny DeVito posters, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's rough. I don't, yeah, that's I need tough. that, too. That is tough. I need a Billy Ray Cyrus like enemy. That's what I need because that's the. <laughs> that's, so in Roadhouse, there's like the main villain, and he has about fifty random henchmen yeah, that you're unsure of henchmen. whether or not they are like important to the story or not. And one of well, them, they're all think, being compensated. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, like it is like everyone is like it, the cast is made up of like an amalgam of like townspeople, and the idea is like. Each of these individuals runs one of like the generic sort of like commercial services for the rest of the town. Right, right. And then but, you're like, so wait, are they also like store owners who <laughs> in their spare time are thugs? Or did they like if, if they were not here already working, like how did he go about recruiting them? Where did he find them? Yeah. These are questions I have. That's that's real. But one of them looks just like Billy Ray Cyrus, at least to me. So I know you made that joke yesterday, and then I was like, wait, was it Billy Ray Cyrus? <laughs> <laughs> I just missed it. 
<laughs> that would be amazing if it was. Remember when Billy Ray Cyrus showed up in a Lynch movie and we were like, mm-hmm. whoa. Um, so you as never. As a cool boy. Yeah, as <laughs> Where a it's sexy, like, That's cool just fundamentally boy. not the right term. No, no. Like, just uh, a pool guy, even. <laughs> pool man. Pool man. Pool man. Uh, yeah, so... Anyways, it's, it's the case that he could be anywhere at any time in any movie. And that's how I approach every single movie <laughs> from now on. I, well, I just realized, like, I don't know the look of Billy Ray Cyrus well enough to have confirmed or denied that he was in this movie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had a Billy Ray Cyrus poster growing up. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah. There was, like, fandom around him? Of course there was, because he had the greatest hit. The don't break my heart, my achy, yeah. breaky heart. Like, yeah. I mean, I'd hear that at, like, family reunions. Uh, maybe that's the only place I heard them. I'm sure like, <laughs> other else I would have heard that. Or, like, at a restaurant or something. But I didn't think about it as a song that, like, would accrue fans. Yeah. No, there was definitely wow. a fan culture around. Here, I'm. So, Ryan's in the room. I'm just going to ask him real quick. Ryan, was there a Billy Ray Cyrus fan culture? Just nod your head. Yes, he's nodding his head emphatically while sewing. Yeah. Um, while sewing, what's he sewing? I don't know. He like he knows how to fix things by sewing them, so he'll like just randomly fix things. I don't like with sewing. Love it. I guess he'll sew things <laughs> up. I don't know. <laughs> like political issues. Like what? <laughs> I fix things with sewing. <laughs> like I know he fixes dog toys and like jeans with sewing. So I don't know. <laughs> Something he does. Those are um, two good candidates for things to fix <laughs> with sewing. So. <laughs> um, okay. So, anyways. Uh, I don't know where I was going with the whole Billy Ray Cyrus thing, except I think that was like, at least this round, my main takeaway was just focusing on this villain character. And Mm -hmm. it really impacted then the rest of my weekends, like very like lame ass, like middle class white person-y activities. (laughs) So that's where I'm at with things. Uh, Okay. So where did you say you went? Not the aquarium. The planetarium. Planetarium. Okay. Sorry. Can I tell you about this real quick? Yes. Because, okay, so I hope you just heckled people about Pluto for the entire time. I, so I, I actually was somewhat like inappropriate. lied to? Into it. Um, I took, I took a, astronomy in undergrad, and I, oh. like, I, so I remember this class, but we, and we had a planetarium, and Ryan claims that indeed part of this class was going to the planetarium. I have absolutely no recollection of that whatsoever. I do not believe that I've actually been in a planetarium before yesterday. So I don't like I just don't think I've had that experience yet. So anyways, um UNC has a planetarium that I learned. Did you know that the astronauts trained in this planetarium? What does it mean to train in a planetarium? So apparently Neil Armstrong Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and other famous astronomer names. Those are literally the only two astronomers yeah. names I <laughs> et cetera, know. Et cetera, et cetera. Yes. But those two, plus many other illustrious astronauts, went into the Moorhead Planetarium at UNC to learn about celestial navigation. So, I was oh, in a seat. Wait, do you, when you're in outer space, do you navigate by sight? I guess you at least need to know that. Like, what oh. if the comms go down? I guess you got to be like, whoa, there's the sun. Let's not go there. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I, well, that's interesting, right? Because I guess, 
I mean, I'm because like a plane driver, pilots. Again, plane I know they're called pilots. <laughs> plane driver. <laughs> plane drivers. They don't drive. They don't fly. <laughs> they don't fly by sight, right? They're like you True. don't because it could be like pitch black out, and they could easily fly, right? It's all about just like looking at the controls. I mean, but they do have a window in the front. Like they've got it. Like they do, at least, and what a window! Yeah, like it's yeah, it's tiny. That's a good point. I I, I don't oh, know. It is. I thought it was big. No, it's tiny. Have you ever been oh. in a cockpit? I went to no. one. Yeah, I went to one because um, the I've last s- time someone asked me a question was in like third grade back when we thought like <laughs> we had cracked the code of like gay double entendres. <laughs> Clever, clever. Um, No, I I was in a cockpit one time because I told the flight attendant I was scared of flying. And she said, oh, well, let me show you the cockpit real quick. So, like, just more knowledge will make you less scared. You can go meet the pilots. This was, like, before the plane took off, obviously. Um, So, yeah, I got to, like, go in and, like, meet the pilots. And I asked them if either one was Captain Sully, and they were not, but it was okay. So, anyways, (laughs) um, that's what I imagine, like... If I'm like when I get on a plane, I'm like, I'm like Captain Sully is the pilot of this particular plane. Mm-hmm. So even if like a shit ton of geese just fucking attack this plane, yeah, we're yeah. gonna be okay. He's got uh, those goddamn stinks that are yeah. gonna get us home. So, anyways, this is such a long digression, but I went to the planetarium where famous people had been in that exact room, and so already I was like, this is amazing. I cannot believe this. <laughs> cannot believe this has been here for eight years, and I had no idea. Or it's been there longer, obviously. I know, but I was like, just thinking that. Like, we had a planetarium at my undergrad, and I just never bothered to go check it out. So, I went to a show, or Ryan and I went to a show called uh, Galileo, The Invention of the Telescope, mm-hmm. and... It was fine. <laughs> like, okay. It was mediocre. <laughs> but, like, I I did think it was really cool to, like, zoom through space and, like, do the kind of, like, yeah, you yeah. know, like, 3D, like, things, I guess, or whatever it is. The, like, um, what's the theater called? What's the, like, when you sit in the chairs and you, like, fly? Oh, IMAX? IMAX thing. Yes. Yes, thank you. Oh, my God. Love an IMAX experience. I got a little motion sick, but it was all good. Um, But then at the end, this, like, tour guide graduate student who, like, (laughs) I mean, bless his heart. He was, like, really into what he does, right? Uh He was like, he was like, now we're going to walk through the night sky. Uh, I'm just going to give you, like, a brief tour of it, right? And so they pulled up, like, the night sky and he started like walking through the constellations and so he got to Orion's belt and he was like so he was like pointing it out with his little pointer thing and he's like this is Orion's belt personally i think it's a waste of space and then he like stopped and i lost Wait. my shit i thought what? it was the funniest thing i've ever heard cuz it's like a waste of space but also a waste like a human waste. Oh, waste oh, of space. Oh. <laughs> waste of space. And so, like, he paused, and I laughed so, so obnoxiously, so loudly. You made his night. <laughs> like, and it got to the point where, like, it's I like was she laughing gets it. so much that I couldn't stop then. And so then he's like trying to move on, and I'm like, <laughs> like in this really quiet room, just like like kind of having trouble breathing because I I don't know why like that moment just like hit me I had been like I guess I had like just been so charmed by the experience (laughs) but then I was just like waste of space dude I'm sure he's not the person who came up with that but I was just I was so tickled and yeah let's just give him credit for it though let's just honor him 
kudos on if nothing else yeah so anyways it was just like utterly delightful and um they have like a ton of different programs and stuff and so now i'm just like i'm gonna go hit up that planetarium like every weekend now because it's like yeah it's cool it's fun (laughs) dude if there's like one thing i miss now that i'm in san francisco is that like there are no like real intellectual experiences to be had no way. What do you mean? Like, you can't, like... Like, well, I'm not going to take a train all the way out to Berkeley, so part of that's on me, but mm-hmm. um, we don't really have, like, lectures or, like, learning things here. <laughs> there's of, like, there's other cultural things to do, but it's not the same. And I miss, I like, see. a good lecture or, like, a night where you're just like, oh, I learned something super yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think that... Like, living in a college town, especially, like, the research triangle yeah. area, we have an embarrassment of riches, but actually that makes yeah. me stressed out sometimes, because I'm like, oh, I didn't go to that. Like, oh, I should go to this. <sighs> like, oh, no. Like, I should do all of these things. Yes, oh, wait, all of the I things. have to do, like, real work things and real human things, too. So, yeah, I, I guess it's like a, yeah, I think, I want, like, a, a You're saying it's place. a double-edged sword. Yeah, I want, like, a... We offer a weekly intellectual thing in this yeah, small one. town, and this is that's it, and that's you can you can do that, and that's yeah, that's good enough. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Also, so speaking of cultural things, I also mm-hmm. had a really bad cultural experience because I went to a play on Thursday uh, night. Never and it go was to plays. Horrible, Sam. It was horrible. <laughs> it was the worst thing I've ever seen. In my entire life, it well, that's not true, but um, <laughs> it was so bad, dude. I I have no words for how bad it was. So it was um, a Shakespearean uh, play. It was Measure for Measure, which is mm-hmm. a very difficult play um, because it's about like it's ostensibly a comedy, but it's also about um, threatening a woman with um, sexual violence, and if she doesn't comply, oh. then. Nonetheless, the man is going to, like, deny that he has hit on her. So it's it's very, like, resonant with the Me Too movement and all of that. So anyways, we went to that, but it was, like, so bad. The actors didn't have their lines memorized. Oh, no. Um, Wait, did you actually watch someone go, line? Like, go what? Oh, no. Line? <laughs> no, not I, that That's, like, bad. on my bucket list. I want to see someone, like, need someone <gasps> to, like, get them their line. <gasps> Like I like when they forgot a line, they would just be like, oh, and then they would like get onto the next line. They'd be like, <laughs> and yeah, so it was just so that was bad. And this particular production was trying to do something clever, which was have Uh-oh. children in the production of this highly inappropriate play. Wait, uh, what? Yeah, are yeah. there children characters? No, there's not children characters in the play itself, but the the director cast children in this performance so that there's like characters on stage talking about rape and making the like jacking off hand signals and stuff like that right like doing like highly inappropriate things and children are like watching this and commenting on it and being like part of this universe that the director has created it was horrible. It was so, Wait, so like, the director unsettling. created additional new lines in a Shakespeare not, play for these kids. Not new lines, but the director, like, cast... Just new reactions. Yeah, exactly. And cast, okay. like, very minor characters, 
like cast children actors with these minor characters. So that is wild. Yeah, dude, it just like did not play well. Like my perspective. And can I ask, did you know any of this was going to happen when you going into the play? No, no, I am okay. so mad at NPR right now because like NPR was like. <laughs> A new play, a new, like, go see Measure for Measure in Raleigh. You know, like, NPR told me to go. Obviously, it was an ad, but still, I thought, like, NPR is no, vouching for Terry it. Terry Gross did this, and she yes. needs to pay. <laughs> yes, so I was like, all right, this is going to be legit. Um, like, tickets were kind of expensive. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I, we actually walked out. Like, we actually. Yes, <laughs> love walking out. <laughs> we, Can like, could not I'll- handle it. Or can I ask, was there a general buzz in the audience? Like, could you get a sense of how other people were receiving it? Well, dude, this is another problem I have with bad Shakespearean performances is no. Like, there didn't seem to be any sort of, like... I, I, I mean, honestly, like, when you go to local theater, like, the primary audience member is going to be around 60 to 70 years old and is, you know, usually yeah. white and yeah. usually... Like, just a kind of... A, like. That's the typical audience member of these productions. Yeah. And so I wonder if they, like, think that this is good. Like, I I don't know. Like, I can't make this judgment. But if, like, I wonder if this Shakespeare that they're getting, they're then like, oh, interesting. You know? (laughs) Or they're like, oh, this is, this is like how Shakespeare thought of this, right? Like, um, that they lack that frame that I have, which is, mm-hmm. oh, God, this is just one interpretation, and it's an interpretation gone awry. You know what I mean? Or that even, like, interpretation like or staging is not necessarily trying to get at, like, the objective, like, right. paradigm of, like, Shakespearean or but Shakespeare's, I, like, as though that's, like, a possible thing. It's like, right. oh, let's think about, like, how can this play intervene into, like, our current anxieties or considerations? Exactly. And I just come from... To, uh, finishing teaching Taming of the Shrew, in which yeah, my right. like, students had so brilliantly... Taming of that shrill bird. Yeah. <laughs> the mouse we learned. Um, so, you know, in which my students, like, thankfully, all had this, like... I mean, I, I don't know why. I, I just got, like, so lucky with these brilliant students this semester because they're, like... Okay, I, I told them, I was like, all right, let's, like, <clears throat> think about, like, performance options in this play and then they're like yeah let's do it you could stage it this way or this way and like tone and gesture and all this like it will change the meaning of this final scene etc um and so like i'm so grateful that they had that and then i was like but you know not everyone takes a shakespeare class and if this is your access to shakespeare oh boy you know what i mean like it's like Oh no, like what if you only watched 10 Things I Hate About You and that's like your version of Taming of the Shrew? Oh no, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so, I mean, I'd be okay with that. Uh, no, I want the like deeply unsettling taming <laughs> thing. So, anyways, that's all to say. Bless you. I'm so um, sorry, this is picking up on it. That's okay. Um, you've got the sniffles. It's all good. I know, two weeks of this now. Oh, you poor baby. I'm sorry. I think it's almost gone though. Okay, that's good. Um, what poor baby. I am a poor baby. You poor baby. Uh. Um, we'll I know. I was, okay, so I was thinking about this too when I was reading. So I finally got Dark Places. It didn't pick, it shouldn't, um, the Jillian Flynn novel. It didn't arrive until like Thursday evening after work. So mm-hmm. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm about like 200 pages in. And really enjoying it. I have a prediction how the end is. Don't spoil. <gasps> okay. I'm not going to spoil it. 
It made me think about her other books, where I thought like Sharp Objects was so so smart and so thoughtful in terms of like or other stories. I didn't read the book. I just saw the HBO show. Mm-hmm. Um, what is sort of trying to look at, right? Right, that amidst the sort of like more popular discourse we have right now about you know patriarchal cultures and the way that like men keep women down. That's like an examination of like the women who sort of happily occupy that sort of space. And Wait, then Sharp Objects also, is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then okay. also sort of like work to like pass on a lot, pass down a lot of sort of like trauma and damage and things like right. that to other women. Um, you go, okay, that's super interesting sort of way, compliment to a lot of like cultural conversations we're having, blah, blah, blah. When then I was trying to remember like Gone Girl, I again, never read the book, only saw the movie. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, well, what is the point of that movie (laughs) where you're like the whole thing is just like this fever dream of a confirmation of like so many sort of conservative suspicions yeah like me too era and maybe the movie just had the bad fortune of arriving like just before that did but to have this whole movie around this sort of like monstrous woman who just goes around like accusing men of like rape and framing them yeah like setting them up for ruin you're just like well what is like what sort of insight is this giving us <laughs> into like our time or our moment? See, I I agree. I think that so Dark Places I think is is a little bit more clumsy at least in my reading. I feel like Sharp Sharp Objects was just a masterpiece in terms of characterization. I want to read it now. And, I like love that show. Yeah, you should. It's it's um it's great. Like it's just beautifully written and evocative and the like you do unlike her other novels, like, support the protagonist, you know, where you're like, all right, like, I'm behind you on this, right? Whereas, like, in Dark Places, Libby or Gone Girl. Or Gone Girl, too, but, like, Libby... Oh, you're saying Dark Places, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, I really, I'm, I really like what she's doing with the protagonist, right, in Dark Places. I don't. Like, or, no? I just think that she's so unlikable and so stubborn, and, and, like, yeah, you get that, like, part of the point is, like, yeah, you like your family was murdered you're going to not be like a super pleasant person um (laughs) nonetheless like i i guess i just like wished that she had more redemptive qualities i like that was basically it right but um i feel like yeah there was something about sharp objects that felt both like otherworldly and yet accessible that Mm -hmm. her other novels didn't quite well, I haven't read Gone Girl. Um, I've only oh, seen it. it, so so I don't know. I don't know. If you do read Gone Girl, I'd be so curious to hear what if there's difference or what your reaction is. Yeah, I think yeah. the one thing that's super interesting about Dark Places, at least the first half, is the way in which it's putting like murder, the trauma of murder, side by side with the sort of like trauma of poverty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Where like uh, you have this paradigm where inescapably you have to keep sort of everyone wants you to sort of reduce your life to like this murderous event right when your family's killed and side by side with this is the sort of more mundane action of always having to reduce your life to uh, uh, your next source of money right Um, exactly and i think that's so interesting and i like the sort of just like bitterness um of the character like (laughs) who a character who sits at the nexus of those two things Mm -hmm. yeah no i would i would definitely agree with that i also Also, watched the the movie um, oh, with Charlize Theron? Yeah. Yeah, I watched it I heard it, it was last so night. bad. Is it good? It's. I actually didn't think it was that bad. I didn't, like, I mean, it's not, oh, like, good. great, All right. but it wasn't, like, 
I wasn't disgusted by it like I was with Measure for Measure. Um, You're like, by comparison. <laughs> everything no is good. No rapey children's. Oh, well, actually, this book does have a rapey kid. But yeah, that's ostensibly, true. Ostensibly. Hey, I maybe finished. the hey. planetarium was not that hey. good. The planetarium was actually not that good, but I had, you know, recently come back from that terrible play. And so I was like, just, I needed something yeah. to be good. <laughs> You're like, I needed a palate cleanser. I just yeah. latched onto that joke. Yeah. Waste of space. You're like, it, this will do. That that poor like tour guide guy had no idea that I was just like dumping a lot yeah. of psychological <laughs> issues onto that one yeah, fucking exactly. joke. Um, <laughs> he's also gonna be so confident the next day about making that joke, and when he gets zero reaction, he's gonna be really confused. <laughs> I'm gonna, dude, I'm gonna go next Saturday to a different show, but, like, they, the, like, end part of it, I feel like they do for every show, like, so they show a certain movie, and then, like, the end part walkthrough is the same, right? So I'm gonna go next weekend, and we'll see if it's the same guy. I'm gonna go watch a different show, (laughs) um, see if this, if this joke pops up again, and I'm gonna be so stone-faced. I'm, I'm going to refuse to laugh even <laughs> And m- while maintaining sustained eye contact with him. <laughs> <laughs> Not pleased. Yeah. Can't use the same joke again, dude. I don't mm-hmm. care how clever. Um, like, I thought that was something special we had that <laughs> night. <laughs> okay, so I don't remember where I was going with this, except No, that... I'm trying to like think about what we were even talking about. Yeah, I think you it You saw was the like... movie. Oh, I saw the movie, except that Ryan had gone to the store, and so I was alone by myself. Um, that's a redundant <laughs> way to say that. <laughs> alone by no, myself, no one around. Alone together, you do have to say alone by myself. No. Um, and yeah, so I got a little freaked out because, of course, like I'm watching a you know true crime murder mystery thing, and yeah, so uh, it was all good though. I didn't die. So that happened. I'm glad. Oh, dying. What? That reminds me. Did you survive that double earthquake? <laughs> yes. Katie, what a thrilling. Mm, was what it happened? Or Thursday. I can't remember now. It was Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. I experienced two earthquakes. My first two earthquakes. Ah! So okay. one happened at like six in the morning and it was just a light rumble. What did you to do? Extent, did you, were well, you already nothing. awake? No, I was I was awake and I was like about to get out of bed and my bed just shook a little bit and I was like, oh, was that an earthquake? Because okay. here's the thing. When I lived in New York, I lived in this decrepit apartment that was just <laughs> over a subway. And so sometimes when the subway would go by, the entire apartment would shake. Oh, like to the okay. Point where it, the shaking would get so violent that sometimes I'd be like, is this the one that brings us down? <laughs> um, but I'm immediately so, imagining, do you know that in the movie Seven? When they live in that yeah. like crappy apartment by the train. Mm, no, I don't remember that. I okay. just remember the box. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, anyways, so all right. Oh, and that guy who they thought was dead, and then he's like, <gasps> yeah. and they realize he's not dead. <laughs> Dude, I want to watch that movie again. That's upsetting. I um, never want to watch that movie again. Oh man, that movie freaks me out so much. So many Milton references. Anyways, oh. that was what I thought when you just said laying in bed and there's a shaky house, but um, or shaky apartment. So you. Well, it was so minor that like I easily felt the shake, but then it took me a minute before I was like, oh, that was an earthquake. Okay. And then I was at work and I was on a client call, 
and it was like my first call with this client, sort of an intro call where you're like going over blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden a stronger one, it wasn't, no, it was like the same level of strength, but it was like twice as long. So it was maybe like six seconds long sort of like move through. What's weird though is you can feel the direction it came from and the direction it moves towards, I feel like. Weird. I might be making that up. But I, thought, I, don't care. I felt as though I could. <laughs> but we're talking and I was like, oh just keep going. The client didn't notice. And my sales rep who was in the the on the call too, she was just like, I'm so sorry, we have to stop. I just felt an earthquake. <laughs> and then she was like trying to get them to understand like they were so poker faced because she was like, we just had an earthquake. And they're like, okay. And then she's like, an earthquake. <laughs> and like, they just like were not biting. And so then we just they had to pause so. the beat. And I was like, so back to the, you know. <laughs> so you like, okay, had you not been on that call, would you have then like had a like, oh, whoa, kind of moment? Like, were you forced to? Have I been to- on the other end of that call? No, had you not been on that call? Like, had you... Like, let's say that earthquake hit and you were, like, getting coffee or something. Then yeah. would you have reacted more dramatically? Like, like, you know what mm, I mean? No, because here's the thing. I felt like it was strong enough to be thrilling, but not so strong enough that it was in any way scary. Okay. All right. Yeah, it was, like, occupied that nice sweet spot where I didn't feel like I was at risk of doing anything embarrassing. <laughs> okay. Um, I've only been in one earthquake, and it was my very first day of grad school. Actually, an earthquake, like... In North Carolina? Yeah, yeah. Um, Like, it didn't hit North Carolina, but, like, the, you know, it was, like, a big one up north somewhere, like, in D.C. or something, and we got, like, a little bit of it. Um, I swear, I'm not lying. This did happen, and it was my very first day of grad school. Um, And I overreacted, and everyone else was like, yeah, so. Like, like, same as your, like, caller, I guess. They were like, I know, you're like, great, well, fuck me then, yes. Yeah. Great omen, grad school. Way to start yeah. out. Way to start at what start this biz. So I know someone up there was trying to tell you like get out now. <laughs> You've made a mistake. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, they, we had like a single in my lifetime a single earthquake in New Jersey, um, and it was so it registered so low that they proved that like most of the population wasn't even like didn't even have like the sensory experience to, like, feel it. Mm-hmm. But the people who did feel it made such a big deal about as it. As you should. Like, as where you were should. you when that happened? <laughs> I would have been one of those people who, even had I not felt it, would have then created a narrative as if I did f- feel it. And, like, Just I would have... to be part of that. Yeah, I would have completely yeah. overblown that situation. I yeah. mean, maybe I was just bitter because I didn't feel it. Oh, yeah. I would have lied. Yeah. <laughs> I totally felt it. <laughs> oh, I felt it. <laughs> did I say I didn't feel it? What I meant was I did feel it. <laughs> uh, earthquakes. Well, I'm I know. glad People you survived. Like, I'm glad too. And I have to say, like, I'm also glad it was a moment for me to realize that, like, I don't live in any way in fear of, like, the big one coming. Mm, mm-hmm. Because there's, like, every, the local, like, San Francisco Chronicle or NY, New York Times has, like, a California Today newsletter I get every day. And I feel like every, like, third day there's, like, another article where it's, like, science proves that, like, we're due for the next big one mm. or overdue. And I read it and I immediately forget about it. And I really have, like, <laughs> zero fear about that. Like, when it happens, it's going to suck and I might die. But even when, like, that earthquake came, I wasn't like, oh, God, this is it, <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. And I think I'd prefer it that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Just like you're like just the innocent, you know, like la la la. And then it's like yeah. day after tomorrow, double, triple, yeah. <laughs> tornado, earthquake, hurricane. Exactly. And it's like there's no way to really prep for that anyway. Like, right. I'm not about to try and live that survivalist life, so I might as well just go into it ignorantly. Yeah. No, what's going to happen is the big one's going to come when I'm in California this summer, and I'm going to be like, I know how to make acorn bread. Not yep. helpful. <laughs> and I have a lemon tree. There's no threat of scurvy, and we'll have sustenance. That's all I'm going to offer here. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be really pathetic. And I'm just going to call Ryan like... and say, can you come get me? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then we'll learn that, like, Ryan's had a helicopter license all this time. <laughs> Would not surprise me at no, all. No, exactly. At all. Um, <laughs> I mean, the nice thing about the big one that ultimately is coming for us is that it's limited to the San Francisco region. So as long as you don't die during the initial earthquake, you just go somewhere else for a time. Well, I'm going to come visit you, though. Yeah. So So. we just need to focus on staying alive during that initial earthquake, and then we'll go somewhere else. All right. The other nice thing is that even if that, like, it happened to the whole U.S., I still feel like San Francisco would be, like, a really good place to be stuck. Why is that? It's still great. There's no cultural lectures going on. (laughs) Right, right, right. We gotta go, listen, we gotta go back to basics here, though. There's no, it never gets super hot, never gets super cold. So, from Mm. the jump, don't need air conditioning, don't need heating. There's plenty of vegetation, so we can grow things very easily. Good point, yes. Also, lots and lots of alcohol. (laughs) Yes, excellent point, excellent point. Plus, uh, ocean, in case we need to flee via boat. Yeah. We can boat places. We also have a full bay that extends very far, so we can take ferries places. Yeah. All right. So long as the ferries survived. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, we know it's like a national disaster, but can we hop on this ferry? (laughs) Uh, Question about the ferries. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I feel much more reassured that when I come visit you and the big one hits, which it inevitably will... When yeah. I'm there, we, we have a plan, a general plan. So, yeah. Um, also, not to be vulgar, but there is so much money concentrated in this, like, little area that, like, the world will care. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Valid point. Also, incredibly important, as I've learned mm. from I mean, it's, various... it's, it's a harsh truth, but it is a truth nonetheless, I think. Yeah. I mean, Octo- Octavia Butler has taught me that, yeah, you need to be where the money is during a natural yes. disaster. Octavia so. knew. Yeah. All right. Well. You're like, um, do I have any of that money? Sure don't. <laughs> but no? I'm close to people who do. I'm pretty scrappy. I think I can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> be good at, at stealing shit is basically what I'm trying to say Oh, here. I would love to get better at stealing shit. <laughs> You know, like, being, like, a pickpocket, I just imagine it would be, like, a thrilling life. Mm. I feel like I'm too expressive with my face, too. <laughs> I would do yeah. those, like, cartoon, like, eyebrows where it's like, whoop, 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 mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, I would sneak as, like, the cartoony villain sneaks, you know, with, like, the legs, like, really high. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just on your toes, on do, the balls of your do, feet, do. yeah. Um. <laughs> It's like, do you remember that one time we were playing uh, hide and go seek and I couldn't stop doing the Mission Impossible like music? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we're like, he's done counting. We can't be doing this anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, uh, so funny. Yeah. Okay, we should do this thing though, right? We should talk about greatest movie ever made. Roadhouse. 
Can I have I no you, transition you are, here. Yeah. You can, are the expert between the two of us, and probably between many other people on Roadhouse. Here's Road the thing house. I'm trying to wrap my mind around. <sighs> two things. It's a linked question. A link of two questions. <laughs> I don't know. On if the I'm one ready hand, Patrick Swayze is hugely in demand right now for like legitimate Hollywood movies. Yes. On the other hand, this movie just visually for especially the first half of the movie looks almost like a grindhouse movie in terms <laughs> of like the the sort of like bevy of like amateur actors and even like the film quality and how it's staged and filmed um, even some of like the the violence and the sex god i forgot how many boobs there were in 80s movies there is so much nudity in this almost as and much so, writing yeah what i was trying to get my mind around was like is he in a B movie, and if so, why? And or is this a movie that's intentionally trying to stylize itself like a B movie? Oh, that's a good question. I I think, I mean, I don't have an answer to that though, right? Like, mm-hmm. or do you think that you know they really did set out to make this like an incredible like Rambo esque, you know, like Terminator like movie, right? And they really did truly believe that they're following in the venerable footsteps of the action movie to an extent where, like, they believe that, like, the the fighting scenes are cool, right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, some of them feel very, like, set-piece tableau-like, you know? The throwing somebody through glass, the um, throwing, you know, somebody on stage and then being thrown off stage, right? Like, that sort of thing definitely feels very cliched and... And Hackney, but I, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like the like tone setting moment is the opening of the film is when they're at like a blackjack table or something, and a man just kicks over the bar stool of the woman next to him. Yes. And I was like, women don't get kicked over in movies. Like, what am I watching? Also, it was unclear in that particular scene. So this is the opening, like one of the opening scenes. I was like, this roadhouse isn't that bad. Well, but it it was unclear to me whether he kicked her chair or like her. Oh, her. (laughs) I think it was unclear that that was not the roadhouse, the titular roadhouse. Right, right. And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of rowdiness, but it's not that bad. And then we like... 15 minutes later, I was like, oh, this is the roadhouse. The roadhouse. So, okay, so the roadhouse named the Double Deuce, right, is just pure shit. It is, I mean, like, people go there to get beat up, basically. I was like, when I, that opening, like, view of the Double Deuce, you're like, why would anyone go here? Like, why would even someone who, like, considers themselves kind of rough around the edges, like, you're just going to get the shit beat out of you, drinks Bottles broken over your head, like the, you know, um, bartender's going to steal from you. Like, why would you opt to go to this place? This is a conversation I have with so many of my clients. Guys, we need to talk. We need to isolate your core demo. Like, I get you want to reach everyone, but you need to understand who is your most profitable demo and why are they coming to get your services? Right. What do they want from you truly? And that was my question. It's like. I don't understand if the, if people by and large are coming just because they want like a fun bar night and they're all like annoyed and terrorized by the violent outbreaks or if their core demo of like people who are spending money on alcohol 
are the people who come because they want a place where they can be violent. Right, right. Very unclear. Because then you go, well, if you've solved the problems or you eradicate this place of violence, then, like, that business has to close because no one's going to go there anymore. So, basically, you are just like Patrick Swayze in this movie, is what I'm hearing you say. Like, your job is basically, like, what Patrick Swayze does, which is he gets in there and he says, who's the core demo of this shit? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> Except Patrick Swayze and I, I feel like, went in opposite directions. He was like, I suspect people just want, like, a nice, like, small town, neighbor, like, neighborhood spot. So we're going to get all the violence out of here where I'd be like, mm, let's crunch those numbers first. And just make sure we don't want to make this a more violent place. Right. Let's, like, take this a little slower here and make sure yeah. that this is... uh just, because like, pump the brakes, everyone. Let's... Unclear if decent people actually exist in said town, you know, like (laughs) we've got to like, you know, um, test the waters first. So, okay, let's do the the basic premise, right, which is that Patrick Mm -hmm. Swayze is uh, Dalton. And he is a, basically, it's called a cooler, um, and it's basically like a yes. lead bouncer who goes, and he, he doesn't ever stay in the same bar. He goes to kind of these messed up bars and fixes them, right? He fixes problems with um, the employees, with staff, etc., uh, but also, you know, then kind of creates and maintains a certain set of rules, uh, and we need to talk about his main rules because they make no fucking sense. Oh my and I god, love it! That uh, no, yes. Um, so, <coughs> so anyway, so he's hired by this really creepy guy. Um, <laughs> um, first, so he shows up at this bar that um, Swayze's the cooler at, right? And he hires him um, to come to the Double Deuce and fix it. Right. Uh, and we first get the this like owner, this bar owner guy is the first one to establish this weird line in the play, which is or play. Sorry. Ooh, that's where my head is. Um, movie where he says, I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> for anyone who's unsure, we're still talking about measure for measure. <laughs> Patrick Swayze's ghost was indeed in this movie or in this play. Oh, my God. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> owner bar owner says the opening of the movie i thought you'd be bigger and (laughs) yeah that becomes like the movie's runner right yeah like that's the weird tagline if there is one for this movie which is i thought you'd be bigger and it's really strange until you realize that the movie does indeed focus on patrick swayze's tininess um not only in fight scenes and you know moments of conflict but also in the many Many moments that he's semi-naked or completely naked. Well, that's it. yeah, exactly. In the film, <laughs> like I thought, he'd be bigger. Is like it gives away the fact that this was gonna be a movie that's like obsessed with his body just generally. Yeah, yeah. He's so shiny in this movie. He's got yeah, like he is so like boiled up. Yeah. oily moments. Uh, but also, as our good friend Ani pointed out, she's watching this mo- movie with me. He also. Like, there's moments where, like, the camera will be looking at his shiny body, and yet, like, his chest hair will be, like, full-on just sticking straight out also. Oh. <laughs> it's really strange. I don't know. Uh, but there's a lot of obsess- I obsession around. I bet it's, like, a around. spray. Like, Pro- I bet you couldn't apply the oil directly, but if you, like, misted it on, you could achieve that. Right. It, it puts That's the my oil suspicion. on the skin in strange ways. <laughs> It, <laughs> uh, Wait, was yeah. that Sons of the Lambs joke? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay, good. Sorry, it was a it was no, a poorly executed it. one. Uh, <laughs> it's not as good as Waste of Space, but um, 
Okay, so, right, like, that's basically it. He goes to this new bar, Double Deuce, tries to fix it up. The problem is, is there's this rich guy in town who owns, or, like, has his, you know, finger in the pie, basically, and is, like, intimidating every single business in town. Okay, but can we first say, like, how we learn about his outsized influence? Yes. (laughs) Tell us. (laughs) It's because... Patrick Swayze fires one of the employees oh, right. for um, stealing money out of the till. Right. And then and we find out that man is the nephew of Ben Gazzara's character. What's his name again? It's Is it Brad? <coughs> is it Brad or Fred? I think it's okay. Brad. Going I think his IMDb name. right now. I think it Brad is. Brad is such a weird villain name. It's a Brad. It's like, a young name. How do you take seriously as a threat, Brad? Yeah, it feels like he's too old to be named Brad, so... He does feel too old to be a Brad. Okay, I got this loaded up. Let's see, let's see. Ben Gazzara's... Yeah, Brad Wesley. Oh, man, okay. Yeah, so old I'm man... I'm glad I didn't register his name while I was watching. <laughs> right? Like, it doesn't fit his character at all. He should be, like, a Fred or a Frank. Uh, those yes. feel like appropriate names for oh, this... Robert. Clearly yeah. older gentleman who's the villain, right? Um, unclear how old... Because he does, I mean, like, he's very rich and he has, like, young hot ladies around him, but mm-hmm. he does seem like he's well into his 60s, maybe 50s, I don't know. Yes. But he's old. Uh, and, yeah, so he's the villain who has literally 8,000 henchmen working for him. <laughs> um, and some of them work at the Double Deuce, including, like you said, his nephew. And that's how we learn that he's basically, like... Uh, this this issue is more complex than just fixing up a bar. Patrick Swayze right. has to fix up an entire town. Yeah, and so what he's realizing is that he is disrupting a very delicate ecosystem. That Roadhouse is really at the heart of this. The double deuce, I mean, is really at the heart of this town in a way that he didn't realize. And so when he fixes um, the double deuce by um, reducing the violence and getting the... Um, like bad workers out like the guy who's having like sex with like um customers on his break right and then the guy who's stealing from the till it actually upsets this very delicate ecosystem that's um ripples into the larger town right so when he says when patrick says he's not going to hire back this guy because he's a terrible worker um brad retaliates by making sure that um no alcohol distributors will um give the double deuce any alcohol right and you got to have alcohol to run a hopping bar, right? But then I was trying to play that out, and I was like, wait, do they get their alcohol sourced, like, locally? <laughs> like, you would have, like, there's no way that Brad's calling up, like, Anheuser-Busch to be like, Stop all like, orders. No this. more Budweiser. To, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very unclear how he actually controls liquor distribution in that way. Right. Uh, so... Of course, there are various fight scenes, and early in the movie, Dalton, you know, gets into one of these fights, and he gets stabbed in the side, and so he's got to go to the hospital, and here's where we learn, okay, here's where we meet the lady love of the movie, but I think more importantly, really, really key to this movie is we learn that he has a degree in philosophy from NYU. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> That is the the biggest part of this movie. Um, yeah, that was uh, obviously. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't really know what to do with that. 
I yeah, no clue at all why that is relevant at all. Um, it was nice or... to know though that there was a time culturally where someone having a philosophy degree was like a humanizing moment. True. Yeah. Because now, like, you tell people you have a philosophy degree, and everyone's like, Ugh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> or humanities in general. Exactly. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> Walk away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he goes to this hospital, and um, his lady love is, you know, this beautiful blonde woman played by Kelly Lynch. Am I right, Kelly Lynch? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And did I tell you Doc. my... Did I tell you my big... Uh, big Murray, my Bill Murray story about this? No. So, Bill Murray... I've, I read this online somewhere, so... Don't fact check me on this, but I believe that Bill Murray is best friends with the man who is in real life married to Kelly Lynch. Okay? okay. So Bill Murray, best friends with husband of Kelly Lynch in real life, will once a week, every single week of his life, call his best friend and say, somewhere in the world, right now, someone is watching Patrick Swayze fuck your wife. <laughs> What? Yeah. This is your best friend? Yeah, he does this to his best friend every single oh, week. Oh, I don't like that. He reminds his best friend every single week that she is on display in this movie, I guess, basically, oh, with no. Patrick Swayze. You're horrified. I didn't think you'd be horrified by that. No. <laughs> Sorry. This... <laughs> <laughs> Unless, like, it is, like, something that her husband, like, genuinely laughs about. That feels, like, really cruel, though. I mean, unclear what the husband's reaction is. Or how Kelly Lynch feels about it. Is yeah. Is pressing question. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's not been revealed. Because I'm maybe... sure when she was, like, really, really, like, working her ass off to be an actor, like, she didn't dream of, like, just being, like, a love interest in an action movie. True. Yeah, I don't think anyone... <laughs> Like no. any female actress is like, yeah, that's really gonna help um, <laughs> help jumpstart the career. Yeah. Um, alas, right? Because uh, she is indeed highly, highly objectified in this movie to the point where Brad, um, like, it's clear that he was also at one point in love with her, and so he has this weird possessive attitude yeah. towards her. Uh, but also. And there's a point where I kept being like, wait, are they related? Like, what, how, because their bond was so clear, but also so... Unclear. Yeah. Unclear, <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, at first I was like, um, well, not at first, but the first time I watched this movie, I was like, he's her dad. You know, like, yeah, that was my too. first yes. supposition. And then it was like, oh, no, they maybe used to have sex. Like, cause there's well, this- then did she used to have sex with Billy Ray Cyrus, or was she just upset because she learned that day that Patrick Swayze could be so violent? I think it was just that he could be so violent, I think. Right. Um but there is this moment where she's at Patrick Swayze's house, at Dalton's um, house. He's renting a barn. Um, conveniently enough, right across a very small pond from Brad's mansion. Uh, and so he there, like he can see what's happening at Brad's. Brad can see what's happening at his place. And there's this moment where Kelly Lynch just like stares across the pond. And it seems like she recognize, like she knows it, like it's, it seems like she's been there before, you know, like it's the hint is like, yeah, I used to like live there or stay there. Right. I don't remember this. Okay. But I believe you. Okay. There's this, uh, I don't know. <clears throat> it's make of it what you will, but there's a, there's yeah. a weird, 
there's weird t- town dynamics. Also, her character is the niece of Red, who owns an auto parts store. Yes. So, and he's a good guy, which is okay. Good. This is this got like so vast so quickly too, <laughs> because we spent so much time. First, like, learning about the current roadhouse that Patrick Swayze has been cleaning up. Then Mm -hmm. about how bad the current roadhouse is, the double deuce. Then we learn about his training methods that, like, what we didn't actually talk about it, where his training method was, like... Oh, my God. His advice was, like, um... Number one, be nice. Be nice. Until it's no longer time to be nice. And you're like, what the? That doesn't make any sense. When you need to kick a guy out, kick him out. But do Um, it nicely. (laughs) Listen here, Mr. Philosophy Major. That's a tautology right there. That is uh, a... <laughs> yeah. That doesn't actually make sense. You should know better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, his his training of the other uh, employees at Double Deuce is to be nice until it's no longer time to be nice. Oh, my God. You know God. what else he says early in the movie? Pain don't hurt. What else we learn about him? He says, I don't fly. He does <laughs> not take dangerous. aircraft. And I said, this is a hero after Katie's heart. <laughs> <laughs> he says, too dangerous. And then he gives a car away to a homeless man and gets a new car. And, like, he constantly, like, there's a weird yeah. thing going on with his car situation where, like, he knows his cars are going to be destroyed. And so he, like, wants flashy cars but also doesn't. Uh, like also knows that they are going to be destroyed. Yes. Uh, so that's unclear. But I so I, I forgot about the quote that I think is actually my favorite one, which is uh, when he is in the hospital getting the staples in his side. Uh, we yes. learn that Ugh, he's did not like that. No, we learn that uh, a he's a philosophy major and b that he carries his medical file around with him because he's been hurt so often, <laughs> and he's just like got it in his backpack basically. Uh, yeah. But, as he's, um, he refuses um, any sort of, you know, pain medication, and she's stapling him up, and she's like, are you sure? And he goes, pain don't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, actually, yeah. that is the definition of pain, is that it indeed does hurt. No, you know what he's saying is that he can deal with physical pain. It's emotional pain that he's vulnerable oh, to. But okay. he doesn't really go, there's no real emotional stuff. Well, no, that's not true. What am I saying? There's a lot of emotional There's suffering. There's a lot of emotional suffering. I know. I spoke too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> There's a shit ton of emotions in this movie. And we can... Also... Go yeah. ahead. No, please. Well, I was just going to say, we could talk about, like, the um, weird mentor-mentee relationship going on. Yes. I forgot about Sam Elliott. Yeah. And his pubic hair. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. That was... I was like, can you show pubic hair in movies? I didn't... I don't think I knew that. That was unnecessary. Um, <laughs> just a lot. Yeah. Uh, and, like, had nothing to do with the story, except he's saying that he got that scarf from a woman, and you're like, okay, yeah. why are you here? Why are well, you... Well, does that also mean that he wasn't wearing pants when he got the scar? I guess so. Yeah. I Sure. I mean, you could stab someone through clothes, as I know. I guess so, but through like '80s denim, that would be tough. Ooh, that is that's that's a great point. Um, <laughs> I don't know, um, but okay. So Sam Elliott's character is this like the he's he's known as the best in the business, right? Like he's the yeah. best cooler. And, and can you confirm for me? Is that did Patrick Swayze bring him in to help to assist, or did he just happen to be passing through? I think I he just part. like he. So Patrick Swayze calls him. 
and is like, yeah, buddy, yeah. And he has this, like, really weird phone conversation with him. And my reading is that Sam Elliott knows that something's up. Patrick Swayze won't admit it. He won't admit that he needs help because he's, you know, manly. And so he, like, through his, you know, master intuition realizes that he needs help and so he comes to help him basically mm-hmm. uh, but he also like there's a weird long extended thing where his character gets to know Patrick Swayze's lady love and like dances with her and like did you think that this was kind of like unnecessary and also like strange that whole night that the three of them uh, spent together yeah. <laughs> okay so that's happening too, I guess, is all I would like. Yeah. All I have to say about that. <laughs> I mean, pretty much every sexual or romantic like element in this movie was confounding to me. So. <laughs> My favorite line though was um, <laughs> that pickup line where the guy goes, "I get off in a half hour, and I'd love to get you off a half hour after that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. Ani was like, "Oh," and. What was what the fuck was up with that man and his wife or girlfriend where he was like displaying no! her boobs and was like twenty bucks you can kiss them? Yeah, that was disgusting. Yeah, that was, I mean, truly shocking. It right. made me realize like the world has changed a lot since the eighties. <laughs> that movie, I mean, yeah, that doesn't seem like I mean it's straight up prostitution and it's yeah oogie as hell. That's so I, you're right, and I think it's just like. What this movie does a lot of, perhaps too much of, is uh, like set the the tone, right? It it's establishes a certain mood, and it wants to make you highly, highly, highly aware of how terrible the double juice is before Patrick Swayze gets there. And yeah. then it wants to make you aware of how much he's transformed it, because what the double juice becomes is like this, like almost like uh, upscale. Uh, honky right. tonk, right? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. And then that's going back to my question: Is that what people want the double deuce to be? Unclear. I mean, well, I think yes, I guess so because like there's people waiting in line to get in, and it seems it's mm-hmm. almost like so. Um, in Texas, there's this really well-known uh, honky tonk bar known as Billy Bob's, and um, <laughs> known it, as Billy Ray Cyrus is. Billy Ray Cyrus is. The, I mean, Billy Ray Cyrus has definitely performed at Billy Bob's, uh, no question. <laughs> but um, and it has it like so it's in Fort Worth, so it's like in the you know Cowtown city, and it has that kind of feel to it where like you wait in line to get in, and like you like it's expensive to get in, but when you get in, it's still like a standard honky tonk experience, right? There's still gonna be a live band and like kind of like line dancing. There's gonna be pool tables, okay. etc. But it has that like it's just acquired that like rep as being really nice okay. and fun. Uh, so that's I think what the double D. But did you become. feel it was really nice and fun when you went? Yeah. I mean, it's it's cool because in the bar itself, like you get into the bar and there's like a dance floor, a pool hall. Uh, There's also a rodeo in the bar so that you like go into this room and it's actually an arena. And so every night they have a rodeo. I don't know. (laughs) It's like... It's kind. I think it's cool. I (laughs) Wait, what does that mean? Every night they have like a literal rodeo? Well, so they have like probably like a scaled down one, right? Like they have like barrel racing and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, oh wait, what is a rodeo? What is a rodeo? So, so it doesn't have to involve bulls. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, a rodeo okay. can be any sort of animal 
trick performance thing like with livestock right so it could be roping it could be barrel racing okay um it could be bull i was trying to think of the logistics of how you would fit that in a bar (laughs) (laughs) yeah but no they have like horses and stuff in there it's like pretty big so that's a lot yeah yeah uh double deuce does not have horses so far but maybe they will someday well maybe Um, they did in the sequel which i didn't watch uh me neither <laughs> direct to video 2006 none of the original cast returned right <laughs> i have not seen so i guess i'm not like a true true fan if i have well, not I seen what the I learned? sequel no what no did you're you fine i learned that in 2015 they announced that there's going to be a remake where ronda rousey was going to be the lead <gasps> So that would be really cool, but then they, they it fell through and they didn't end up. No, I know. Oh, that's so sad. I know. Oh, that would have been re- that would have been like really really fun. I agree. Alas, but they probably like made that decision and then watched Roadhouse and were like, oh, we we can't do this. Wait a minute. <laughs> we can't like translate this to 21st century. It's not. It's not gonna happen. You know what probably happened is a bunch of like. Hollywood men were like, well, if we gender flip all of this and put men in these women's roles, like, we can't treat men like this. This would be an indignity. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they should they should Mad Max it up, you know? They should Mad Max Fury Road idea. it, you know? I think it could oh, work. Man, Mad Max Fury Road, to me, is still, like, one of the best movies of the 21st century. <laughs> Dude, it's fun. I love that movie. It's just fun. That's the thing, is, like, it's creepy and involved. It's fun, though. It's, like, visionary. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I'm a, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Okay. I have, <laughs> we need to also talk about Billy Ray Cyrus in this movie. Yes. So Dalton is haunted. He's haunted because in his past, one time he was sleeping with a married woman and her husband came after him and put a gun in his face. And so Dalton had to fight his way out of that situation. And the way he had done it was through ripping the guy's throat out. Can so, I set the scene here? When yes. I heard that story, I just assumed, you like, you know, in Mean Girls, when they like interview and everyone's like, I heard, and it's all these like ridiculous things about Rachel McAdams' character. Mm-hmm. I thought we were supposed to understand that to be exaggeration. <laughs> no, not in Roadhouse. Not in Roadhouse, no, sir. I was wrong. <laughs> that really did happen. That has been haunting Dalton for eternity and indeed (laughs) it's gonna happen again for eternity slash the last five years (laughs) it's gonna happen again even though he doesn't want it to but it's he's got no choice billy ray cyrus trying to kill him uh yeah so also billy ray cyrus runs away on like a small motorbike and it's the most like (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's like patrick swayze chases after him they get into a fight Billy Ray Cyrus says, uh, I used to F guys like you in prison. That line made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I was like, um, not like, as, can we just pause on that for one second? <laughs> not as cool as you think that sounds, dude. I don't think, yeah, I don't think this is landing. I used right. to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been great. Uh, also, amazing. Patrick Swayze at one point in this fight has like what our friend Ani pointed out was the most honest fight line ever, where Patrick Swayze just goes, you are such an asshole. <laughs> like, yes. Like, it's not a clever line, but it's so appropriate. And it's just pure. He's yeah. speaking from the heart. Yeah. Like, you are just such an asshole. Like, why are we fighting right now? Uh, it's great. And so they get into this mega fight scene, and it's it lasts for a long time, like it should. And uh, anyways, the gun gets whipped out, 
and Patrick Swayze rips out his throat with like a claw move. He okay. I didn't get a good. I didn't really get a chance to like set my eyes on that claw move because just all of a sudden he was holding a throat, and then it dawned on me like, oh, that wasn't a joke. He ripped that guy's throat out. <laughs> yeah. But he threatens to rip out Brad's throat, and we get a long, long look at his like claw. Yeah. <laughs> The claw. Oh my god. I want to get a screenshot of that. Wait, are you just saying that the, the claw is not as imposing as it should be? It's uh, it's just so... It's such a foreign thing for me to see. I've never... You, I see. Yeah, yeah. What, it, it's just so disorienting to see someone <laughs> very seriously holding up uh, a curved thumb and to a curved index and middle finger. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. These are going to be in your throat in a second. <laughs> The only thing I can compare it to is Ryan does this thing where he will make his hands look like a lizard's hands, and then I know I'm about to be <laughs> attacked by lizard hands. <laughs> that sounds very similar. <laughs> so that's how I come to that moment where I'm like, oh no, oh no, lizard hands. Uh, <laughs> and so Doc happens to run up just as... He has ripped out Billy Ray Cyrus's throat. We should mm-hmm. say too that um, uh, Patrick Swayze has now stood by fairly silently now. After as um, Brad has blown up, he keeps blowing things up. Blown up so um, many bo- things. Yeah, was it a bar or a home down the street? And then home. the the home of the guy he's renting from. Right. Well, he what blows was his up name again. Uh, like Otis. I don't remember actually. Um, yeah. Old man, but um. He, yeah, he blows up Red's auto shop, and yes. that's devastating. But uh, Ryan raised a really good point when we were watching it, which was, like, if this is, like, such a feud, why not just blow up the double deuce? Like, clearly, that was <laughs> you my have the resources. Clearly, this wouldn't be that no tough to do. He also well, gets... I think what it is is that, like, I think he benefits, he probably profits from... The double deuce when things are going his way. Mm. And so maybe he just didn't want to like just throw the baby out with the bathwater. I see. Excuse he, me, bathwater. He also, um, there's a community event at a car dealership where another unlucky but pure, like, heart of gold townsman owns the car yes. dealership. He <laughs> has one of his dudes drive a monster truck through yes. the entire... <laughs> Dealership and it's amazing. Like, why do they have a monster truck? I did feel very sad, (laughs) but it also made me remember. Like, I feel like my childhood lied to me because I was really led to believe that monster trucks would be like a more ubiquitous part of my adult life. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever go to a monster truck rally? No, but I would have. Oh yeah, it was so cool. I went to just one, but I felt like the power of the. (laughs) I bet (laughs) of the monster truck. I was so into it. Uh, but this again, it's just so over the top that it's not surely I get we're living in like a pre YouTube era and we don't have camera phones, but surely someone got a little footage of this. We could like sneak out of the town and get placed on like national news or like when the guy has to like claim insurance. Right. And they right. explain to insurance like, well, our, a, a local man has accrued so much power that he's essentially like a local like warlord, and he drove a monster truck through our building. <laughs> <laughs> like that's gotta start making its way up to the top. 
Yeah, uh, well, it's clear that, at least in this small town, they say, oh, he's got the sheriff in his pocket, right? So at least local yes. justice is not going to come right. through for these poor guys. That, Do that's... we know why he has the sheriff in his pocket, though? No. Okay. <laughs> Just, like, bottom off, I guess. I don't, yeah, very unclear. Also probably related to him or something, right? Like, given yeah. the logic of this movie is that I know, most it was people like... are related. It was at that point where Patrick says he was holding that guy's throat outside of his body that I was like, <laughs> wait, let's just pause the beat. Like, how did we get here? And like, just as a gut check, I was like, this is still all because Patrick Swayze fired his nephew, right? Right. Yeah. Like Who that. Who was dealing from a till. That's the <laughs> Like, this core. is escalated in such a dramatic way. And that nephew sucks. Like, his death is so anticlimactic, <laughs> like, where it's like, mm-hmm. Like, oh, got a knife in the belly. Oh, got to th- fall down the stairs. Okay. <laughs> Dead. Yeah. Yeah, he was an afterthought. And yeah. he should be. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think... So, oh, so the mentor yeah. dies. We got to talk about yes. that. There's um, this moment where, like, things have reached... You know, they, they have very, very much escalated. And Brad calls Patrick Swayze... Um, who happens to be standing by the payphone and says, um, who's it going to be, the woman yeah. or your mentor? And he's like, what? What? You're crazy, man. And he's like, I'm going to toss a coin. And we don't like we don't know. Swayze doesn't know who's going to die. But then we find out that, in fact, they have murdered Sam Elliott's character and he's dead on a bar. Which I feel like he should have been able to predict yeah. Because if I was Brad, I'd be like, okay, it's the 80s. Patrick Swayze is going to assume that the woman is the one who needs saving. He's definitely going to prioritize her, which makes Sam Elliott an easier target. Mm-hmm. Plus, Patrick Swayze should go, okay, Brad had some sort of weird relationship and attachment to Doc. He's never going to murder her. Right. Right. Exactly. So, but Did the- this also make you think of the Joker scene in The Dark Knight? No. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. I just didn't. I, or I mean, he has to say if, like, Maggie Gyllenhaal or Aaron Eckhart. Oh, okay. Okay. I haven't seen that movie. I was like, maybe. <laughs> You've never seen The Dark Knight? No, I know. Isn't that pathetic? What? I know. Wow. Okay, I, that's, that's totally fine. Yeah. All I'm saying is that, like, that's a wildly revered movie, and it may have taken that pivotal scene from this From movie. Roadhouse! <laughs> yes! yes. Well, then I obviously don't need to say it since I've seen the original. Yeah, um, exactly. If it's just like Roadhouse. It's a, a pale imitation. <laughs> right. I look at everything in life through the lens of Roadhouse. Like your job, I think of you as Patrick Swayze in that, that mm-hmm. scene. Um, I think of everything cool in terms of Roadhouse. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm faltering here. I was waiting for you to save me and you didn't. So I'm thanks. sorry. I was thanks. like, let's see where this goes. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I okay this all leads up to the climax then where Patrick Swayze has now this is the emotional suffering we were referring to earlier he's now like lost his mind and he is just out for vengeance and he's ready to just take down this guy and his his like um, gang members essentially mm-hmm. yeah so he pulls the knife out of Sam Elliott Sam Elliott's been stabbed to the chest mm-hmm. he's dead and he's dead 
He sticks it. Okay, I don't think this is actually possible. Oh. <laughs> I was trying to really like get my eyes on what he'd even done. It looks like he had stabbed the knife through the accelerator of a car into the floor of the car so yeah. that the accelerator would stay down. Yeah. I don't think a knife has the power to hold down an accelerator. I am unsure. I can't. We can go with that. Yeah. So he crashes this car into brad's like group of henchmen basically at his house right so the final showdown is going to take place uh at brad's mansion and so he does that and then we kind of just see like various henchmen slow or not slowly but like just die right like somebody walks around a corner and he's like oh that guy's dead you know and so it's clear that dalton is sneaking around the house uh murdering the shit out of people and yeah that's where we get until we get the, like, uh, trophy room where the polar bear falls on the guy. <laughs> yes, and that's really where I want to go. I don't know about you. Yeah, he, like, takes down a few people by, like, with karate, etc. Like, he doesn't use guns. I don't know why. Like, Patrick Swayze, you can use a gun. Um, what is that? Oh, my God. Katie. What? Batman doesn't use guns either in The Dark Knight. <gasps> Ooh, good point. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. But, I mean, we have to be clear, Patrick Swayze definitely, nonetheless, kills the shit out of people. Yeah, Batman. but why does he... That's my point, is, like, Batman's, like, all non-lethal, fine, but what's the logic for not using a gun if your intent is to kill someone? That's a really good point. I don't know. Like, he puts himself at harm's risk. Yeah. By refusing to use a gun at multiple points throughout this movie. Right. Especially in the like, showdown. Like, what are you trying to prove? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just general badassery, right? Like, he doesn't need... I guess so. He doesn't need a gun because he has all this extensive cooler training. I mean, I'm sorry. Cooler is just not a cool... <laughs> no, it's not. I, I, I get that it might be cool in certain contexts, but, like, just, like, saying that you are a cooler just doesn't sound cool to me. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, okay, so, yeah. A guy... Uh, an overweight henchman who I guess is like the clownish character in this movie, right? Like you got to have some comedic relief and yeah. he's it, uh, unfortunately. So we get this like one guy who, you know, is like left basically before we get to the Brad scene. And uh, Swayze just knocks a giant stuffed polar bear on him. Yeah. So it turns <laughs> out that <laughs> Brad has a trophy room that... His desire to sort of, like, control everyone extends to the animal kingdom, too. Mm-hmm. And so he has all these taxidermy animals, including this giant polar bear. And apparently what somehow, I was trying to think of logistics of this, actually he hides behind the polar bear, waits for that one henchman to walk past it, trusts that that guy is going to think that that polar bear has actually come to life and then Which be stricken does. with fear. Which he does, Yeah. And that gives him enough time to fully tip it over onto him. Right. Which does not kill him, as I right. originally thought, but just knocks him out. Yeah, I also thought he was dead until he showed up at the very end. And then he stands up. And I yeah. was like, well, <clears throat> I guess that's okay. Like, I, I was totally indifferent to whether or not he survived. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I really also, did not care. Patrick Swayze, like, is around this point that I realized, like, he's broken a lot of legs in this movie. Like, that really is his... Every time he's in a jam, he just, like, kicks someone's knee and then breaks. Yeah. That's for the So, for the fifth time, that happened because he's fighting Brad. Brad pulls a gun and Patrick's <laughs> is on the ground, and so he kicks him and breaks his knee. Right. 
I mean, I think I it's like, a you good keep move. Using, you really go back to that well frequently. <laughs> uh, I mean, but to be fair, there's not like a lot of options for immobilizing your enemy. I feel it's like true. there's well, not like a... Having a gun on you would be one. <laughs> so. Well, true. So we get this final battle scene with Brad and Brad has a gun. It gets kicked away or it gets like moved away somehow. And then Patrick Swayze is about to rip out his throat and he has this moment of like who have I become basically yeah. like how could I do this for a third time yeah. and it's really long like that that like yeah it's a pregnant pause back and forth between the faces takes a while <sighs> so he gets off of Brad and he's like I'm not gonna do it and he, he's not actually saying these things this is just like subtext of what his head is doing and so and before you say the twist though can I okay. ask you something yeah because it gets lost in the shuffle of the, how the scene plays out. The gun has been kicked away, so it's just to, like, Brad's right. Mm-hmm. To Patrick Swayze's right, which is Brad's left, He Patrick Swayze looks over and sees Doc. And I don't know if this is to prove something to her or to himself, but he just stands up and starts walking away. And you go, okay. <laughs> you don't want to claw out his throat, sure. But... Maybe. You also don't want him to have a gun so he can kill you. Or your girl. Why does he just... Right? Yeah, right. That seems like, irresponsible. Just... Yes. And he doesn't bother picking up the gun. He just walks away. And so, of course, then Brad reaches the gun. And so I go, what was his end game here? Like, did he truly forget? Or was he going to show Doc that he'd rather be killed than, like, kill someone else? Like, what did mm. you think was going on there? Yeah. That, uh... Unclear. <laughs> like I, I don't know what is the, the. Yeah, I got nothing for you. I don't know. Uh, unless like maybe he knows that the other dudes are gonna show up. Like maybe he's just like intuited or learned somehow that the the townsmen mm-hmm. are gonna fight back. But yeah, because like structurally from a script level, he has to not kill him so that it can give an opportunity for like the townspeople to all do it. Right. So Which I loved. Old, like the old uh, farmer man, Red, the car dealership man, and a few other dudes show up and just basically shoot the shit out of Brad. Like, Yeah, like murder on the Orient Express style. Yeah, there's just like bam, bam, bam. And then the cops show up and they're like, what happened? And everyone's like, I didn't see nothing. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a great line in the movie where everyone's just like, nope, not me. I didn't see nothing. And for a second, it looked like everyone's going to start laughing and the movie was going to (laughs) end. So Brad is dead. The double deuce has been fixed up. Dalton decides to stay around. And so he doesn't leave anymore. And he's going to live in that barn forever with Doc. Can I say something controversial? I wrote this in my notes about Doc. Is the last note I wrote. I wrote, she's so fucking annoying. Yeah, she's... Well, she doesn't have much of a personality. Except to, like... she's got that flock of seagulls hairstyle down. Yeah. That's real. That that gets... (laughs) I think it gets bigger as the movie progresses. But... (laughs) As the drama gets heightened. (laughs) Just, like, automatically. It's like... I found it very hard to relate to her and her objections to things because I don't think she's understanding the gravity of the situation. Like she's people not. are being killed. 
Like, he killed someone who had blown up multiple properties and yeah. killed many people. And for her to be so, like, offended by it was weird. Or even, like, when he's going to save her and she's like, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Like, please just respect the fact that there's something truly dangerous going on. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, I think her perspective, like, she yells at one point, like, do you actually think that this cycle of violence it's the common like revenge tragedy trope right do you actually think Mm -hmm. it's going to end here like what's next you know it's just it's going to keep going and cycling until it gets out of control and it does i mean she's right about that like it does get out of control until the main guy's dead but yeah i mean she's i guess like that's her perspective but it's a lame one in an action movie where you got to kill the main bad guy although this is sort of like moses monotheism where it's like, what breaks the cycle is the despot is killed and replaced by, like, a democracy. Of yeah. People will all agree <laughs> that one act, that taboo act, was permitted once and never again. Right. And we've all learned our lesson and been brought together. Mm-hmm. And we can now Until the 2006 direct-to-video sequel where <laughs> I assume something has gone awry. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> so the movie ends with uh, Dalton and Doc just fucking in a pond which is really gross to me they 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 have yeah, sex in gross places that. like there's, on the roof duck shit is in there oh like but when they're on the roof too like the roof oh my god they knees? know they are directly across from brad's house right and their and knees yet, are gonna get all scraped up that's true oh i just did not like it, it was so weird my my puritan sensibilities came through in those moments there's a I lot mean, listen, yeah <laughs> Also, what we did not discuss was Brad also has another, like, he has a woman that he is seeing, seeing, and she's so sad, and it's really, really hard to watch this part, because, like, she's constantly hitting on Dalton, she um, gets beaten up, like, very violently, we don't see the the beating but we see the results of it later with her bruised up face there's a moment and where she's she just, very like, pathetically desperately strips. like doing jane fonda exercises right right and there's this moment yeah, where like, she, she like she's like a prisoner right like because she's just like increasingly acting out over the movie yeah i guess it's that is yeah i think she is but also uh like that moment where she strips on stage you just feel mm-hmm. so sad I know. It's so just desperate, you know? And I think, I don't know <laughs> what to make of that at all, except that there's this really, really sad woman in the movie. Yeah. Sam. Yeah. Seconded. Yeah. There's a woman in this movie, and she's sad. <laughs> there's a... L- <laughs> Listen, this movie is a man's world movie. That yeah. That's for sure. I mean, I, I'll admit that. Um, that's somewhat problematic in my adoration of the of the film. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, you know, that's it. Still was formative. So there you go. There you go. There we go. And that's Roadhouse. Truly, like a movie unlike any other. Roadhouse. And I say that totally seriously. Like this is. <laughs> I mean, I get that it is very similar to like. Red Harvest or Yojimbo and it's like basic plot but it is truly I don't feel like I've seen another movie like this before so okay I also have never seen like I don't watch like Van Damme movies or those other 80s action movies so maybe there are others that are just as crazy but yeah I, I like the Die Hard movies I like the Lethal Weapon movies too <laughs> yeah but they're not like this yeah yeah 
Anyways. Um, I've never seen a Lethal Weapon movie. I don't know why I so confidently shot you down. <laughs> it's, a, it's okay. I Like, that wasn't a hill I was ready to die on either. So. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was clearly, like, I was I was like, all right, disagreement. I'm just going to back off. I've got, I've got nothing in this fight. <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna like yeah um okay but like what I really want to know is just like your ultimate assessment Sam are are we giving this like a thumbs up or a two star out of five star what's the what's the verdict okay as a film it's not good but as an experience (laughs) it is like a, a wild ride you know I I would say everyone should see this at least once so I, that's all I want people to say about me as a human. <laughs> like, as a person, not good. But as an experience, or like, <laughs> as, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's a rockin', raucous, uh, it's uh, all the words that mean wild. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad you at least had an experience with it, right? And now you can... Talk I about finally it. Finally, know, and that's why we do this podcast, so we can finally know what all the, the hype is about. Right? Yeah, that's what we're in it for. Uh, yeah. So that was Roadhouse, and now we are going to move on next week to the very, very, very iconic uh, Ghost. Ghost. And I love Molly, just, you in danger, girl. I just love the word ghost. I just like saying ghost. <laughs> And so I'm really excited about You're going to have a lot of opportunities next week. I cannot wait. I'm going to over say ghost. It's going to be so annoying. I can't (laughs) wait. But. um, I know. I really am excited. Like we were talking before. I have not seen that movie since I was a young kid. I'm actually excited to rewatch it. Has it aged well or not? We're going to find out. We're going to find out for you folks. Yeah. What are we obsessed with this week, Sam? Katie, I don't think I have an obsession. Yay! I've been, like, stuck at work all week, so I have done very little in terms of, like, any sort of cultural exploration. <laughs> that's okay. Sometimes you just, like, you know, like, barely survive <coughs> work, and that's, you have to be proud of that, so. Uh, I can tell you what I've tried to be obsessed with, and it's just not sticking, mm. is Succession. It's this HBO oh. show that I hear so much good stuff about, and I am now, like, f- finally, after, like, a month and a half, four episodes in, and I'm like... I kind of get why this is a smart show, but I also kind of don't feel like watching it still, and yeah. it's very confusing. Yeah, that's, I mean, I haven't seen any of it at all, so. Have you heard um, of it? I've heard of it, yeah, I've seen the ads okay. for it, but yeah. Um, and I keep, I might keep trying, we'll see, but yeah. I'm like. Why? I don't know. With those things, I'm like, someday, maybe. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, I'll maybe, I'll likely get to it someday, just don't expect it. You know, like, I'm right now going to, like, pick the things that I really, really want to watch over, over I know. Stuff. Like, we are we have, like, 500 original scripted TV shows on TV right now. Like, I can afford to be choosy. Right. That also um, means, though, inevitably, is, like, the genre of, like, the small talk TV recommendations between colleagues is, like, at its high or low point. I don't know if it's a Zenith mm-hmm. or Nadir, but it's just, like, figuring out, can we figure out a way to just be more honest and direct, like that's great god bless but like you do you i'm gonna do me like i don't want to watch yeah. whatever show you're watching I, it doesn't sound like my thing <laughs> i'm not gonna give it a chance just because you said so i have done this so many times with um a lot of our friends playing D. i'm just like look i'm never gonna do that shit like just I know. <laughs> yes. like okay, i get that, that you're really to into it i i totally get it good for you i like 
am never ever going to do it so let's just be real about that <laughs> two things one is that when people we knew start playing the, the core group of like three people i was like mm, that fits but <laughs> then like people are coming out of the woodwork and i was like you too yeah yeah it was so like it's surprising it is surprising and i'm just patently uninterested the other thing too is like i'm sorry but like there's just way too many formative years being told that like that game is for nerds like <laughs> like, I'm not, like i psychologically cannot get myself to even give it a chance <laughs> you just hear like other 12 year olds taunting you exactly yeah. like i can't do it <laughs> i love it yeah so i i'm with you on that we life is too short to be interested in everything that everyone else is interested we do yeah. this podcast so that you'll be interested in what we're interested in because that's more important or not do you we don't give a fuck no i don't agree with that i say <laughs> what yeah, we say or else or else i'll come to your house and murder you and then put your body in cement a new construction what? site and that's how i get rid of bodies that's yeah. how i do that's intense. So that's my obsession, though, is just in general true crime stuff right now. I'm, like, really feeling the true crime vibe. Oh, were you referencing a specific crime? No. I just think that I've thought about this a lot, and I thought about body disposal a lot. Like, the acid option, burial's no good, um, you know, like, in a pond is no good. The, mm -hmm. like, um, tar pits in L.A., good, but in 10 years, some, you know, grad student's going to find them. So that's Here's annoying. Here's the acid thing, though. And this is what I've learned from uh, My Fair Murder. Putting a body in, like, an acid-filled barrel and just putting it in, like, a crawl space... Yeah. ...is not the way to get away with a murder. It's the way to buy yourself another two decades before you're incarcerated. Right. So exactly. So if you go, like, listen, I'm weighing my options. There's no way I'm getting away with this. Then do that and go, okay, I got to, like, start tackling this bucket list. Because right. I've got, like, maybe 20 years before someone stumbles upon this. <laughs> this is me so it's not in like, Paris. <laughs> this is me yeah. trying a crepe for the first time. Yeah. So it's not like it's not an option that should be considered. It's just, like, understand that for what it is. Right. Right. Like, just realize the fact that someone's going to find that fucking barrel and know that you murdered the shit out of people. Yeah. So, yeah, that's real. That's why you put the body... At a construction site in concrete, and you pour concrete over it, and then the workers get there next next day, and they're like, "Whoa, I forgot we did that! Like we did that whole exactly. column." Exactly. Exactly. It's no proof. idea. <laughs> no. No idea that there is a dead body inside of that column. Um, yeah. None the wiser. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, did we park the the um, bulldozer over here yesterday? I don't remember that. But. <laughs> yeah. All right. Whatever. So. That's my, that's my go-to. Just true crime generally. I love mm -hmm. true crime as well, so I cannot befall you for just loving, being obsessed with true crime generally. It's so good. So, yeah, I did finish Dark Places this week, like we talked about. and um, How is true crime manifesting now? Wait, did you start listening to Happy Face? No. Okay, I have not had time to listen to that, but I, I also was a little turned off by your text that said that it was heavy. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know if I can do it, man. I don't I know. Like, okay, it's in the first or second episode, that guy Keith, his kids are playing with a cat, and he hates cats, and he walks up, takes the cat, and snaps its neck in front of him. <gasps> okay, that's real. And that's... I was like... Oh. And I'm sitting at work, and you can't really, like, emote too much from what you're listening to, because you're supposed to be focusing on work. And I just, like, 
very stoically just removed one headphone at a time from my ears and put them down on the desk. It's like, oh I've God. heard enough. I've got to take a break. So did you stop listening at that point, like for good, or um, did you come back to like it? Much like Succession, I'm four episodes in over a long stretch of time. Okay. Um, right. Where I'm like, I'm not loving it, but I also like, as I hear it, I'm like, well, it is interesting. It's just so dark. And like yeah. the dissociation, like, so the thing that's novel about this is that it's his daughter who's doing the investigation, really trying to figure out who this person was. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is that like, it's so highly dissociated, right? Like she refers to him as Keith. Like, yeah, she, he is not her father. Like they had such a minimal relationship growing up in any way that he his notoriety is, has so far outsized whatever sort of personal memory she has of him that like and that's super it's interesting that she just refers to him as like keith and she's like just trying to make sense of who keith is and it's like and, you and have i to recommend wonder, that like yeah like you have to wonder like how much drafting she did you know like the the first script yeah. it has like dad and it's all crossed out or does it like the you yeah, know her original right. script have dad in it or whatnot like that's that's super interesting and yeah yeah okay so maybe give it a few episodes, see how you feel. They're um, only like 30-minute episodes. They're not hour-long, which is nice. Mm. Much like TV, I prefer a shorter episode. Mm-hmm. Unlike our own podcast. <laughs> no, and <laughs> we're never... I think we tried to consider shortening them. But when we're like, oh, should we shoot for 45 minutes? And then we just stopped. Yeah, <laughs> we could not do it. We're, we're too chatty. <laughs> you know, okay, actually, I'll make a distinction. For, like, narrative-based podcasts, I like a shorter one. For conversational ones, like, The Read will have, like, two-and-a-half-hour episodes, and I'm perfectly happy. Yeah? Okay. So I think we have nothing to worry about. Okay, that's good. I mean, I don't ever mind listening to myself talk, so. I don't either. <laughs> and now that I'm, like, in more of, like, a role where I'm doing a lot of training and coaching and mentoring... I'm like, you need to shut your mouth more and, like, give people a chance to, like, figure things out themselves. Like, you can't just be going around giving people answers to everything. Mm, That's (laughs) tough, yeah. Yeah. I think about that. I'm like, I thought about that, and then I thought about the podcast, and I was like, maybe I really do just, like, the sound of my own voice. (laughs) Well, it's like, I teach the same class twice in the same day, so I'll go to the first one, and I'll be like you know, the thing about Shakespeare is blah, 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 and I'll talk a lot at at first, and then I get to the second class, and I'm exhausted, and I'm like, what do y'all think? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You tell me. Um, So I'm having to, like, moderate to work through that. Um, So. (laughs) All right, well, like we said, next week, ghost. Ghost time. very appropriate, because we've been talking about ghosts our entire tenure as podcasters, talking namely about the ghost of Billy Zane. So if you're out there, Billy Zane, we hope you're roadhousing it up. And that's it. I know. I could see him as a cooler. Yeah. He's pretty cool. As a cooler. Yeah. All right. Well, Bye. see you next week. Bye. Bye.